0: All right, this is episode two of Whole Lot of Holtz. Today we're talking about the early days of Holtz leather. I'm joined here with my daughter, Faith. She is my second, and are you second? Second. second. Right, she's the second of our 11 children. Uh, she's here to join us because she was here with us in the early days when we were starting in our basement, the the Holtz Leather Company, which is now a much larger company than then. Uh, we employ at the current, I think, around 50 people. Uh, peak last year, I think we employed around 80 people. So we've, we've really had some uh, incredible growth over the last six years. Uh, very grateful for that. But I want to go back a little bit and kind of talk about Um, our family our family dynamic and family business because I think that's something that our country needs more of is family business Uh, I think it's it's a way to if done if done with the involvement of everybody in the family uh, I think that it can be a great source of growing your family uh, spending time together honestly I mean we, we spent an enormous amount of time together just brainstorming ideas, talking about um, the day, talking about what we wanna, what our goals are, talking about, like right now, I mean, we're currently talking about Chattanooga and we're discussing it as a family about opening a second retail store in, in Chattanooga. We found a, a great spot uh, within the last uh, month that's, that's in Chattanooga on Warehouse Row, which is a beautiful building. And we are—we've put a a letter of intent on it, and we're gonna go up there as a family, and we're gonna go look at it this weekend and see if it's a possibility for um, for our family business. And I think that uh, I think we need more uh, family businesses in in the United States. I think they're they're just. Um, they're just what's needed. And I think it can be challenging because business itself can be challenging. So there's a lot of different dynamics that go into it. And we hope to hash out some of those. But let's go back to kind of where it all started. Um, I've been an entrepreneur since I was a since I was a boy. I mean, really, since uh, eight, nine, 10 years old, I've done everything from lemonade stands to paper routes to uh, mowing yards. I lived on a military base growing up. And so I would bounce around to all these little, uh, tiny yards. And I remember charging, I don't know, five, 10 bucks at the time per yard to mow a yard. And I'd rack up some good money and money was my driving force. I mean, that's what really made me, um, Made me. That was my. That was my motivation. My motivation was money, and I. I loved money. I loved the ability to spend money. I loved what money could get me. It was usually CDs or a boombox or some piece of tech, new Game Boy. Boombox. A boombox is a stereo that you could play cassettes in. That you could <laughs> take outside. You could put
1: batteries in it, so it could go anywhere you went. Is is she the generation that has that didn't know what a boombox? Have we gotten to that point where? People don't know what a boombox is?
2: We've gotten to that point.
1: <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> it's like uh, when I was in high school, you, we had
0: pagers. And even before <laughs> that, I mean, we didn't have anything. But uh, I remember getting my first cell phone when I was in college. But anyways, uh, getting off topic. <laughs> uh, and and money was my, my motivation and my driver. And I remember uh, I went to college. I kind of did what the world tells you to do. You got to go to school. And I took on student loans and student debt, which is... What the world tells you to do, let me tell you right now, don't do it. Make sure you pay for your school if you're going to go. And I I don't want to discredit college either. So I I don't want to sit here and say that college isn't isn't the right direction. It just wasn't the right direction for me. I think I did learn some things from college uh, that have been applicable in business, uh, especially like accounting classes. Uh, some of the business management, but really I would say that I gained a lot of my uh, business experience from just doing, uh, working. I worked in UPS er early on when I was in college and I I worked myself into a management trainee position and then worked into manufacturing. So I learned how to do the manufacturing side as a supervisor, as a manager, I learned how to manage people. Uh, So much more experience on the job than I was ever getting in class. And I I got to a point where I was just like, okay, there's really no more value for me inside of school outside of getting the piece of paper, which right now I'm sure there are people screaming at the this podcast right now. You've got to have that paper. Uh, we've done OK without it. Um, and there are several other businessmen that have done well without it. Now, I do think their college has its place. And I think that it does. Uh, it is for some people. Uh, it just wasn't for me. Uh, I in my third year, my junior year of college, I quit. Uh, I moved back to uh, our hometown of Huntsville, Alabama, where I knew I wanted to have my own business. We started a an eBay business in the early days of eBay. So this is when eBay was was really in its infancy, um, probably around the 2000-2001 time frame. I was building a business around repairing laptops. So I would buy uh, I would buy laptops on eBay. I would get them in, and I would uh, put hard drives in them, hard drive caddies and, and just put new operating systems on them. And then there was this one day where I, I bought this laptop and I don't remember what kind of laptop it was, but I needed a hard drive caddy for it. And I couldn't find one. And finally I found one. And I was like, I was like, it, it was like 50 bucks just for the hard drive caddy and i don't think that i was going to be able to sell the laptop for more than 250 300 bucks and i went out to colleen i was like i was telling her i was like I, i've got this computer this is the caddy it's going to eat up all of our margin all of our profits going to be gone just by buying this one caddy and she looked at me and she said well just tear it apart and sell for parts and it was like this light bulb moment and it was like uh i immediately ran into the house i took the laptop completely apart, which is what every boy wants to do. You want to go in and tear something apart. I tore the whole thing apart. All of a sudden we had a keyboard. We had a screen. We had an LCD inverter. We had a motherboard. We had framing. We had all these parts. So I started taking pictures and put them on eBay. And that laptop that I bought for maybe 50 to hundred bucks, we ended up selling for over 1200 bucks. It was just like, it was like, okay, I can do this. So I started buying laptops on eBay and selling the parts, bringing them in, stripping them all down to parts. And over the course of four or five, six years, I would built this business into a mega laptop parts business through the uh, platform eBay. I think uh, five or six years later, we were the top. We were in the top 100 all-time eBay sellers on eBay. It was doing very well. Uh, I was very, very successful. Um, and things, a uh, thing about business uh, that can really affect you. And what what was driving me was success. Was that and it may have had a lot to do with this world's mindset of that you had to go to college. And I think I was still battling that because I didn't have my degree. And so, you know, any conversation you go where you're meeting people, they're like, hey, I mean, Faith, you experience this. when When you meet somebody for the first time, what do they ask you? what are you doing for school? Yeah. Where are you going to school? What are you going to do? And it's like, uh, and it was the same thing. And so people would meet you for the first time. It's like, so what do you do for a living? It's like, well, I sell on eBay. And they're like, oh, you can make a living doing that. And I think my pride was so big at that time that it kind of, it kind of hurt me a little bit. And I was like, yeah, dude, I sell, x amount on ebay right now what do you think of that no i wasn't that ugly about it but you kind of feel that way like yeah i didn't i didn't fit the mold that you liked i didn't go to college i didn't get the piece of paper but i'm doing all right and it's just like and then people were like kind of surprised but uh but anyways there was a lot of pride in my heart and um there was a lot of this this feeling of i made myself successful and i remember colleen colleen is by far my my best friend she is my accountability to a part partner I mean she she keeps me on the straight and narrow and she really helps me on all things to include parenting would you agree with that yes (laughs) (laughs) anyways we were uh uh we we were talking one night and she's like babe I just I feel like you've got a lot of pride in your heart and she's not meaning this to be mean she's just really concerned about the condition of my heart at that time Uh, and I, I go out every single night and I walk our road and I pray and I just ask the Lord for, for wisdom and guidance on, uh, how to be a better father and how to be a better husband and, you know, how to be a better businessman, how to get the things that I want is was part of my selfish prayers. Um, and I remember one night when she told me this, I went out and was praying and I, and I said, Lord, I I just pray that. Uh, If I'm prideful that you do whatever it takes to humble me, because ultimately I just want to do your will uh, and I want to be a servant uh, to the Lord and to my family. And uh, that weekend we had had a trip planned to go to, um, to go up to, oh yeah, thank you, Gatlinburg. And we were up in Gatlinburg and I remember we, my wife was expecting our, was it our fourth child or fifth? Do you remember? Levi. So it was our fourth. We were, oh, it was before Levi. We were expecting our fourth child. Um, And so we were up in, uh, we were up in Gatlinburg and um, I got a phone call and it was from PayPal. And this is 2008. um, And PayPal's like, hey, due to the financial crisis, we're going to freeze your assets in your PayPal account. Well, at this time, eBay primarily only used PayPal for payment processing. And so that's what, all of our money funneled through and they were going to freeze our assets and our all the cash in our account we were a cash-based business uh, until it reached a certain threshold and uh, i told Colleen immediately i got off the phone i was like this is not good and it's like we're not going to have money for a while because they wanted to build up to this level it i i kid you not it wasn't 15 minutes i got off the phone with uh, paypal i got a call from ebay and ebay at this time um was was allowing a buyer satisfaction rating. I think at that time it was like 5%. So what that means is that you could not have a chargeback, a negative feedback, a negative experience uh, with a transaction. If you had five out of 100, that was their limit. Well, my account rep got on the phone with me and he said, hey, I just want to let you know that eBay is changing their policies and we're going to be moving from a 5% buyer satisfaction over the next 90 days to 3%. And then eventually, we're going to be down to a 1% buyer satisfaction. Now, I sell used electronics to people who are trying to fix their own equipment. So we have an enormous amount of returns because people will buy something and realize, oh, it's not the right part. And so a refund would count as a a negative transaction. Uh, And I remember telling my eBay rep, I was like, this is the end of the road for me. I mean, I'm not going to be able to be in business. And it was a it was a, a early lesson for not being all vested in one one platform uh, that I would definitely hold to later on when we start Holtz Leather, um, but that same weekend my wife and I are dealing with the news of of the weekend and really feeling very very heavy because I see the writing on the wall it's starting to form, um, and that same weekend my wife miscarries our our first our first miscarriage. Uh, and then I'll, I'll just brief this up because a lot happens over the next six years, five to six years. I mean, a lot um, because of the type of person that I am uh, that I really fought against, um, against losing everything. And, and it's like, and really it was fighting against my own pride and my own self-made man mentality that I had. Uh, and over the course of six years, we ended up losing, um, losing our business. Uh, we ended up I had a, big, a, a beautiful home that we loved, and uh, we had to short sell it, um, which if you're not familiar with short selling, it means that you sell the house for less than you owe to get out from under it before they foreclose on you. Uh, and then there's a balance that's left, and that balance can either be written off by the bank and or they could come after you and get it. Uh, we had different sheriffs approaching our doors at different times uh, because when you get sued, you get served a piece of paper that tells you you have to go to court to defend yourself. And you're in an undefensible position because you haven't paid your bills. And so um, sheriff after sheriff, like every time somebody knocked on the door, Colleen's running, and I'm like, oh, not again. And I walk up to the door, and sure enough, it's another sheriff. And, you know, it's that it's, it's an awkward feeling to be in a— uh, we hadn't short sold our house. Yeah, here you are in a nice neighborhood. You got nice cars outside, and all your neighbors are sitting there watching you from their doors. Or then they see the sheriff pull up, pulls up, and it grabs a lot of attention really quick. And it doesn't just happen once; it happens over and over. And they give you the paper, and you go in, and you feel less of a man, um, and less of a man, and less of a man. And you keep losing everything, and you keep trying to to hold it all together. And, um, and we had our, our cars were repossessed at a, a Hummer and I had a, a old 68 Camaro and we had nice vehicles and, uh, two of them got repossessed and we had to sell our, our classic car that we loved on to take on date night. Cause we still maintained a date night even back then. Um, and then it got so bad that, uh, we kept trying to reset, kept trying new businesses and it didn't matter what I tried. We kept, Failing, we kept failing and failing and failing, until um, we took a we took a risk on a, a, a hobby farm. So this is back when hobby farming was kind of coming up, and people were really interested in hobby farming. And we moved to to Tennessee, and uh, still trying to fight, still trying to fight to stay on top. And I uh, really felt like I made I made who I am, and. Long story, but we ended up uh, getting an eviction notice on a rental house that we were at. We were totally out of money. We had nothing um, and just completely broken. Um, Two weeks before uh, the eviction, we had to be out of the house that we were being evicted from. We had animals, we had horses, and we had uh, goats. And I finally walk out on the road and I, I lay out on the road and I just Cry out to the Lord, and I said, "Lord, I am, I am nothing, and I am not the provider, and I recognize that you're the provider." Um, and from that moment, things started to change for me. Um, I remember it was—I don't remember if it was that same day or another day, but uh, another day, I was walking the road, and I got a text from a, a friend of mine that lived in Huntsville, and we were in Fayetteville, Tennessee, at the time, and he said. Uh, he said hey um my dad's house fell through and just curious if you're all looking for a place to rent and i texted him back and i was like oh my goodness this is crazy and i said yes i was like but we don't have any money and he's like well don't worry dad dad says just come stay in it Uh, he just wants to put somebody in it to take care of it and so uh, he said, it's got 10 acres, it's fenced, you can bring your animals. And it was just like, an it was an answer to prayer. And we started to see kind of the light at the end of the tunnel, where it's like we knew that the Lord was starting to provide a, a way for us. Uh, we didn't know what that way looked like. At this time, uh, we really had no money. You know, a lot of people say, oh, we're, we're struggling financially. It's just like, this is like struggle, like you don't buy deodorant and toothpaste. This is... You don't have phone or internet this is uh they're shutting your power off you're gonna you're i mean we were talking about the possibility of living in our car Uh, we were talking about the possibility of trying to see if we you know the worst situation for us colleen and i are so close and our we're so close to our children that we were talking about dividing the family and half going to live with her family and half going to live with my family because uh, we knew that neither family could, could support us. At that time, I believe we had, do we have all six of our children at that time? Yeah, so we had all six kids at that time. Uh, so we, we were really, really heavy. Colleen, I had, I had uh, almost given up on the, the vision of entrepreneurship at this point. I was like, I'm getting a job. I did get a job. Um, I, worked, um, I worked at a leather goods company up in Tennessee, and it's really where I learned uh, my love for leather. I saw my love for leather. I never got to really see how they produced their product. I worked in the marketing department. That was really my background was e-commerce. And so, um, but I got to learn a lot while I was there. And then uh, we ended up moving to Huntsville. Didn't ever think anything really much about it after that. Uh, we moved to Huntsville. And Colleen has started doing some research uh, on... Um, on Etsy there was this new kind of platform I would never heard of called Etsy and she was researching these I guess he's getting ready robes uh for brides when they get married they they wear these robes that have their initials monogrammed on it and they they wear them and so Colleen's like you should call your dad and see if we can borrow the embroidery machine or have because my dad had an embroidery machine from a business i owned previously that i sold to my dad and mom and they used it and paid off all their debt and then they closed the business down so i, I it'd been like 10 years since my dad had used the machine and so I, I called my dad up and i was like hey dad i was like do you still have that embroidery machine in your basement and he's like son it's yours come and get it so we went i took a, i took a day off uh i had a job at that time so i took a day off uh ran down we got the embroidery machine colleen and the I think the girls may have ordered some robes and had them shipped in. We didn't have the money, so we borrowed that money. Uh, I think maybe, I don't even know where we got the money, but we only had enough money to buy four robes. We bought four robes, got them in. We monogrammed them with the embroidery machine. We took a picture, horrible picture, of these robes out by a creek on a farm. It was the most random, bizarre picture ever. Anyways, we put them up on Etsy and... We downloaded the Etsy Etsy app onto our phone, and then within no time, I mean, within the same day, we heard cha-ching, and we're like, what is that? And so we we went to the phone, and there was a message from Etsy that said you had a sale. And so we opened it up, and sure enough, we got a sale. And I think it was like six or seven robes in a single order. So it's like a two, three hundred dollar order. When you have no money and you see a two or three hundred dollar order come in, you are running and celebrating. We were celebrating, and then it, I kid you not, it wasn't thirty minutes later. Cha ching, cha ching. Cha-ching, and it did not stop. Within a year, that little bridal row business was doing over a million dollars. Uh, and And I have to thank my wife because I honestly at that point had given up on the dream of entrepreneurship. I had given up on the thought of ever owning another business. And this was her pushing our family to to dig out of our situation and to get out of it. And it was amazing to see how the family all pulled together. My girls, like we didn't pay our children, but they were old enough to work and they were down in the basement uh, and they knew. And that's another thing. We didn't hide anything from our kids. So as we're going through losing everything, we want our children to experience it with the family because we're a family. We're not gonna hide it from our kids. We're telling them what's going on. They are very aware of the situation. Do you remember those times?
2: <laughs> I remember.
0: What, what were you feeling in those moments?
2: Um, I think being on the farm and having animals, like I was like, yes, there are struggles, but then like we'd go out with the animals and just be able to forget everything that was going on for a little while. And I think that was really helpful.
0: Yeah, I agree. But so, Faith faith uh, got to, got down, in Madison and Kelsey, any of them, the kids that were old enough to work were downstairs, and actually the, the younger ones were too. And we spent, I would say, most of our days down in that basement doing nothing but running the embroidery machines, and we were just sweat, sweat equity. I mean, we were just pouring it back into the business, buying more stock, more robes. We expanded into different products, uh, just rolling the money over on top of itself while helping us get out of our situation. We started paying rent, um, and those type of things.
1: Faith, I'm curious. So for most kids that would be working, you know, if I was working with my dad in you know, the basement, I'd be like, all right, well dad, what are you gonna pay me? You know, if I'm doing any little chores outside of my normal chores, I'm like, all right, well what am I, you know, what am I getting out of this? I'm curious, I mean mention you know, Rick mentioned that, you know, you're he's, you know, sharing everything with you guys. He's explaining, you know, kind of what's going on, you know to an extent you know you're still children did you have a different view of it then was it really just like this is kind of for the family rather than you know am I gonna make some money so I can go out you know with friends or whatever I'm curious just to know your kind of thought process and also your siblings if you if you know you you know that
2: yeah uh so for that like ever since he had the laptop business too in the basement like me and uh My uh, two sisters, the older ones, we would uh, be down there helping, like, ship stuff and, like, package. And I remember him being like, you be careful with those motherboards. Like, wrap them tightly in the bubble wrap. And so, we would like, I mean, I loved watching him work uh, for as long as I can remember. He's always, like, up late at night working. And so, like, having that to look up to, um, it really, like, pushed me to be able to be like, hey, this this is what's expected. This is what we do. Like, never even thought twice about, like... I don't really want to do this right now. I just, I'm a lot like my dad and I like to work really a lot, so.
1: Could you see, could you see that your your dad was, this was a little bit more kind of, you know, fighting for air oh, rather yeah. than just, ah, just new business, you know, trying something else. Could you, could you sense, you know, the, uh, I don't is it for lack of a better word, just like the kind of do or die kind of nature of it?
2: Oh, yeah, we could definitely tell, like, there would be days that, like, we could just see the frustration, and he'd, like, walk out in the yard and throw his coffee cup or, <laughs> you know, just walk walk around in circles praying and going up and down the driveway. And so we knew that it was um, very serious. And so, yeah, we just all jumped in.
0: It was, um, it was I mean, just hearing her say that can get me... Um pretty emotional. They were hard times, uh, but I can praise the Lord because we were able to get out of them. We were able to dig out uh, and we did it. We did it as a family, uh, which was completely different uh, than what the business I had before, which it was really about me. Um, And this was not about me. I was dependent upon my family to help. And I started to see business in a different light. I started to see this as this could be a heritage, something that we could do as a family together. And I really started valuing the time down in the basement shipping boxes together or trying to figure out a piece of equipment or... Uh, or answering emails together and talking about customer service and and talking about how to give the best customer service, how to engage with people, to think of others greater than yourself. So it's these life lessons that you're doing side by side while you're growing your business. And and the Lord was generous and allowed it to just grow rather rapidly um, to a point that we started thinking about these things. And we all knew that, embroidery was not this is goes back to this passion thing (laughs) embroidering robes is not something I'm passionate about but I was passionate about getting out of debt I was passionate about paying people off and that was what was driving me was to get to get out of it and to to in a sense uh, save our family Uh, and so Um, I knew that I wanted to do something different. And I remembered, uh, I remember my days at that leather company and I remember working there and how that was very much a heritage type business. I don't think of importing robes from China as a heritage business, as a business you want to do with your family for the rest of your life. It may be, and maybe there are some that would like that. And that's okay. I'm not, I'm not knocking embroidery. We, we still own that business to this day and it still does really well. We love it. Um, But I wanted something that I had full control of the quality. We had full control. I say I, let me rephrase, because it's not I, it's we. We as a family had full control of the quality of the product that we uh, we made everything in house. And that way we could take a lot of, I don't even like to use the word pride, but we took a lot of, of care in the product that we created and that it would be something that we would treasure as well. Um, when we made it. And so I remember one December I woke up in the middle. Well, I didn't wake up. I was working late. I always work late. I'm sitting in the bed and Colleen's already asleep. And I, I wake her up. I'm like, Hey babe, Hey babe, I know what we're going to do. She's like, what are we going to do? It's like, we're going to make leather goods. And she's like, I know, And then she rolled over and went back to sleep. I was like, well, I don't know how she knew, but I know. And that weekend, like that night, I got on and I found a sewing machine. Because I've never never stitched anything in my life. I found a sewing machine in Chattanooga. Or actually, I'm sorry, it was in Knoxville. And um, on Craigslist, a big, beefy, brown sewing machine. Because I thought, okay, if I'm going to sew, it's got to be a manly sewing machine. It's got to have, and this thing had... It had a gear shifter it had pedals two pedals one i thought one was a brake and one was a gas pedal i don't i don't know but anyway so i traveled up to uh traveled up to knoxville picked this machine up brought it home it came with some sample leathers i started touching these leathers and all of a sudden my hands broke out in this horrible rash from the leather like burned my skin and i was like i was like is this the end of the leather dream for us? I mean, here, I buy this machine, and the leathers, and I flipped over the leather, and I saw the leather was from China, and so I kind of wondered to myself, like, so I started doing some research, and I got on Google, and I was like, can leather burn you, that type of thing, and I saw that some leathers, how they are tanned, can have a lot of chemicals, and it can really affect your skin, Uh, and it ended up, uh, breaking out my skin. So, I tried finding some other leathers, some leathers made in the USA, and I actually found some up in a, I think, a Tandy up in Nashville. So, we went up to Nashville, got some leathers, and uh, brought them down, and they didn't have the effect. So, I was like, whew, we're okay. We can still do leather. And then we started the process of teaching ourselves how to sew. We taught ourselves how to personalize. We taught ourselves how to cut, how to stitch. I mean, everything we taught ourselves. We bought books on Amazon. We just, as a family, started pouring our family into the process of learning because we knew we wanted to be experts. And it took a while. In fact, our very first leather product wasn't even a stitched product. It was a uh, it was a, a, a keychain, a simple keychain with just a rivet. Because at that time, I didn't have confidence in stitching. I realized that that manly sewing machine that I bought with the gear shifts, you know, I was going to uh it, it was an overkill for the type of products where it was the wrong machine but so we still
2: sell that keychain
0: we do we do still sell that keychain we call it the, the tucker the tucker keychain and faith riveted in many of those in our basement <laughs> and at this point we're still in our basement uh, and we know that we don't want to take debt this time around we're still at the same time running our, our heritage wedding business. So we're burning the candle at all ends. So understand this, too, that business, when you own your own business, you're, you're, never, you're never out of work. You're never not working. I mean, if you're at the dinner table, you're talking about it as a family. If you're out driving around in the car, you're talking about it as a family. If we're on date night with my wife, we're talking about business. This becomes your life. And so... I knew this as part of our family dynamic is like, okay, we still have to be a family. How do we, how do we blend all these things together to make it, make it work well that's a different episode we'll talk about that later right now we're talking about the embassy of holtz so uh we start teaching ourselves i remember i prototyped our very first wallet i brought it up to colleen i mean i spent all day long cutting sewing designing learning photoshop i taught myself how to use photoshop how to use Corel, uh how to use different programs how to how to how to do everything and anyways i i spend all day and i mean all day working on this wallet i run it up to colleen and i show her and i'm like babe i got us a wallet we're ready and she looks at it and she says that is ugly start over and i remember just that sinking feeling of like oh, that failure feeling of like a and I,
2: sinking feeling it was
0: anger okay okay <laughs> colleen yes Yes. I was angry over the wall. I was mad when, when things don't work out the way I want my initial reactions is anger. I was mad. And so there may have been, I may have even threw the wallet. I don't remember. But anyways, I stormed back downstairs and I started over. Uh, and we ended up creating a product that, uh, that we did finally, uh, Colleen finally approved. Uh, And we went up with and it became a big seller. And, And then it just started growing. But we took the profits from, because we knew we didn't want to take debt. So we took everything that we started making from Heritage Wedding, and we started turning it over into buying leather, buying leather equipment, and uh, paying for marketing and doing all this to grow this leather business. That being the heritage business that we wanted to grow. That being the end goal in mind. I remember uh, when we fired fired hired sorry wrong word hired our first employee. Um, I remember bringing her into our basement like we were. It was <laughs> there's some funny stories I could tell you about the uh, people coming to work at our basement. But anyways, I remember walking her back to this little room where we had two or three cow hides and we're like, yeah, we're going to do leather one day. This is this is what we're working towards. And uh, it's interesting. She actually still works with us uh, uh, today. She she does some weekend work for us, you know, six, seven years later. But uh, that first that first initial uh, thing of of like this is where we want to be. Uh, And that's what we worked on. We made that our goal, and we started pouring everything back into it. And it wasn't long. Uh, We ended up having to get a building. We had four or five people, I think up to six people, working in our basement at Doug Hill. Is that right, about six people? Mm -hmm. Working in the basement at Doug Hill. And then from Doug Hill, we – It's not Doug
2: Hill. I'm sorry. Doug Hill is where
0: we are right now. It was off the parkway. We moved to a building off the parkway.
2: We went from Bob Wade to the parkway. yeah. Yeah,
0: Bob Wade to the parkway worked there and i think since then we've just grown out until recently we were in three different buildings because our operation had spanned so many different spaces that we just recently um, got a space that's about seventy-five thousand square foot uh we do we do woodwork we do um we do full line of leather goods we're starting a ceramics line where we're making pottery handmade pottery uh, and all of that's going to be coming out the pottery side is going to be coming out really heavily this year. Um, our, our millwork started with my dad being a part of our Holtz leather business. My dad being, uh, um, my dad was my best man in my, in my wedding. And to this day, he is still, uh, my best friend and he retired from the Marine Corps. And I knew I wanted to incorporate. Uh, my dad into our business as being that heritage. He is the patriarch of the family and somebody that I honor and respect uh, greatly. And he loved turning wood pens. And so he started, uh, he started a, a our wood line by turning wood, wooden pens, and the pens complemented our leather journals. And then all of a sudden, the pen sales exceeded what dad could really, really do. And really, we still sell more pens than dad can handle. Uh, right now, he is currently training uh, Levi and Jacob. They are apprenticing under my dad to learn uh wood turning, and they're turning pins, and and they're learning a skill. And now my boys are getting excited about business because they see the potential. They're sitting there, uh, working with Grandpa, and they'll come home and like, Dad, can I sell this? Can I sell this? And Mama pops in real quick, says, Whoa, whoa, whoa! Did Grandpa approve the quality? Mama's, we call Mama the brand protector, and I'm the let's just go. I bust through the doors and Colleen's always there. Uh, she refers to herself as the string and I'm the kite without the string. The kite can't fly. It can't soar. It can't really do anything. Um, so that string is that resistance. It's resistance, but it keeps that kite stable in the air. And that's very much a picture of our relationship and it really works well. You have to have that other side to compliment you, uh, to, be good at what you're not good at and uh, I think that's something that all of my children are good at they can compliment dad really well Uh, faith is a little bit more like me and so sometimes uh, we can be two peas in the same pod uh but uh the boys now they're like turning pens, and they're getting excited about selling some of their products so they've been able to put some of their products in our retail store and i remember when the the first couple products sold the boys come up to me and they're like dad you owe us this amount of money and i was like whoa 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 Let's uh, let's have a lesson and Colleen's like, well, did you do the marketing? Did you do this? Did you, and all of a sudden all these expenses that go into getting that product into the store, that it's not just that, there are many hands, many people that are involved in the process of selling that product. And so um, we were able to teach them a valuable lesson about profits and how small profits can be after everybody gets their hand in the cookie jar. Uh, But I did make a deal with them that, uh, trying to encourage them uh, and teach them the importance of rolling their money back over into their business. Uh, I did tell them that they, I would allow them to keep 100% of what they sell in the store if they, um... If they reinvested in equipment for pen making or woodworking specifically for their shop. They're, they've now created a little wood shop in the bottom of our barn where they do some woodworking, which is really exciting to see.
1: Yeah, any thoughts, Avery? No, I, th- I think it's cool. I mean, my uh, when I was growing up, my dad would say, hey, you know, like he'd pay us, you know, like I think it for any additional chores we did, whether it was cleaning, you know, our parents bathroom or. The kids bathroom or the garage which was a monster of a project but they'd pay us like a buck to clean the bathroom which now is such a horrible deal but <laughs> <laughs> to, i don't even think i had a concept of what a minimum wage was at the time but i remember i asked my dad i was like well how how often can i clean it then so like, you can clean it like every day if you want I'm like and you'll pay me a dollar he's like yeah and it'll be cleaner every time you do it like it'll be easier to clean I'm like oh yeah all right yeah and then, he's, and then he said, he's like, for any job you do around the house, like for us, if you put it towards something, you know, that you're saving for that we also agree is a good thing to save for. He's like, we'll double your money, Ah, which nice. two bucks now. To- ah, that is nice. <laughs> but, but like, so it was it was a really cool thing. I mean, I, of course, when I get to the point where I'm 16 and get a job and then realize <laughs> taxes and savings and tithing and, and all this mm. stuff, I'm like, all right, well, I'm getting about... Uh, Fifteen percent of what I make <laughs> for, for my own personal stuff, because I'm also saving up, you know, for a, a religious mission and all these other th- college and all this stuff. So I get like next to nothing, and I'm like, oh man, this is this is rough. But at the same time, it, you know, it helped me understand, you know, uh, you know, the value of money, you know, what I'm working towards. You know, uh, I, I think it, I mean, there's a lot of things that I can trace back to, you know, how my how my dad, how my parents, you know, uh, kind of explained you know, money and work to me. So that's, that's really cool hearing that, you know, especially them, you know, now contributing, you know, to the family business, being able to, you know, to put that in the, in the stores and then, you know, for you to, to teach them, you know, Hey, look, taxes and all the overhead, everything that goes into this, you know, you can't just take, you know, the whole thing but in this case, since I am in a position to do so, we can do it as long as, you know, you are furthering, you know, your own craft, which I think is great. Yeah i do too
0: faith here um she does a lot of our she actually faith's done a little bit of everything in the company as i've mentioned she's run embroidery machine. she she was our early debosser when we were uh, personalizing our leather we had this old we don't use this machine anymore because it's completely inefficient and you learn this as you go through business of of failures i like to call them failures as failures teach you uh about business but anyway she she could pretty much do anything in the company. She's learned to stitch, she she can edge coat, she can click, uh, she can uh, do just about anything and everything, she's sharp, but right now she's currently our purchaser in the company. We've gotten so large that we actually have a position now for doing nothing but just purchasing products that the uh, the company needs to continue operations. So she does a phenomenal job. She's a blessing to have, and uh, who knows where she'll end up one day, but she's doing a great job now and we're proud of her but anyways thank you for listening to this episode be sure to follow us we love we love to tell stories we tell uh one thing we are we're very transparent and we always have been we're transparent with our kids and we're transparent on social media as well uh what you see is what you get and that's one thing about that I've learned after losing everything is like I realized Earlier, I was different people at different places. If I was at work, I was one person. If I was at church, I was one person. If I was at home, I was a different person. And that doesn't that doesn't flow well when you when you when you own a family business. It's like you really ha- and and as a person in general, you really need to be the same person everywhere. And so, what you see, if you see us on Instagram and we're telling stories, it's real. It's it's not it's not fluff. It's not marketing. It's it's who we really are as a family. It's it's what we truly value we want to be transparent and authentic we want to be real and we want you to know who you're doing business with that we are a real family and we really care about what we do and and uh, so please take the time follow us subscribe to our podcast this is our second episode who knows how many we'll do we'll just go until uh, people just get disinterested, but uh, maybe we'll, we'll have something of value to share and uh, comment if you'd like to hear anything more specifically. But definitely be sure to follow us on Instagram. We do tell a lot of our family story on there. Holtz Leather Co. on Instagram. Thanks.